Good morning, everyone. I could have done another three or four songs. Thank you, guys. Thank you. So I was nine years old when I came to live with all of you here in Lee Summit. Uh, moved here from Texas. Moved here to live with my dad. We lived in an apartments on the corner of Independence and Lanksford. I uh, looked out the window one day, and a bunch of kids were out playing in the parking lot. When you're nine years old, you don't have to know the kids. You just go out and play with them. So I went out to, in the parking lot there at the apartments, and they were playing baseball. Now, the apartments where I grew up in in Texas, we didn't play a lot of baseball. So I didn't really know how to play, but I'd seen it on TV. How hard can it be? So Steve seemed to be in charge. Steve had the equipment. Steve made the rules. Steve had the chalk where he drew where all the bases would be there on the asphalt. And we started to play. But the way Steve played it, I could not follow Like, if you pitched the ball to Steve, even if it went into the catcher's glove, if his bat connected with any part of it and just made a little pink sound, he'd say, I tipped it, so it's not a strike. I tipped it. I'd never heard of that before. And then uh, I came up here with cowboy boots, because it was from Texas. And cowboy boots have absolutely no traction. Maybe one of you can explain that to me between services. Why, Why do cowboy boots have no traction at all? But so we were playing an asphalt, and uh, as I, I was stretching my single into a double, I didn't want to overrun the base too much, so I tried to slow down and started a slide, not like a get down a baseball slide, like an ice skater slide, cowboy boots over asphalt. And as I glided across second base, they ran up, touched me with the ball, said, you're out. And I said, why? And they said, because there's no sliding. I'm not sure an upright, ah, I can't figure this out. So next day, Sitting and look out the window. Kids were gathering in the parking lot. I went back to my Legos. My dad was sitting there in a chair reading his book. He said, aren't you going to go out and play with the other kids? Because he knew, you know, if if you're living in an apartment complex and you're not going to play with the other kids who live in the apartment complex, you're going to be kind of a lonely outcast with not much to do. I said, well, they're playing baseball, and I don't get what they're doing. He said, what's so hard about baseball? I told him about no slides, and I told him about tipping, and he's like, oh, that's ridiculous. And he put down his book, and we went outside. And we walked down to the parking lot, my dad said, let's play ball. And the kids seemed a little, like, overawed that a grown-up was going to play with us, but okay. And so they pitched the ball to Steve, and bink, he tipped it a little bit, and it went into the catcher's glove. My dad said, strike. And he said, Steve said, but I tipped it. And dad goes, yeah, it's still a strike. And that was it. It was a strike. And then I, I, I got a hit, and I stretched it into a, a double again. That was my specialty. Still had the boots. Uh, did my Nancy Kerrigan slide across second. And uh, dad said, safe. And no one even tried to touch me with the glove. And all of a sudden, just like that, new rules to baseball. He never even had to come out and play with us again. That was now just the way that you play ball. We played it Steve's way for a while, and then Dad came and he gave us some new rules. Sometimes you just need someone to help define, like, what's the rules? How's this go? I wonder who makes the rules for faith. You know, what does it mean to follow God, and, and who decides that? What is God like, and what is God not like? Who is God? And who answers that question? Our passage is about that this morning. We're finishing up uh, John chapter 9. Jesus was walking down the road, and there was a beggar, and he was blind. He'd been blind since he was born. And Jesus heals him 
which immediately creates a lot of excitement, as you might imagine. But it also creates controversy because there's this group of priests hanging around. They're really popular at this time. They're called the Pharisees. And they know God, you know, and they know how this goes. And one thing they know is that this guy, Jesus, is not one of them. And so they don't like this idea that he might be the savior of Israel, come from God. And, and uh, now he's just healed someone who the whole town knows was born blind. This does not help their case that Jesus is not anyone special. So they're really upset about it. They're trying to figure out how to act like none of this ever happened. So they actually put the guy who was healed on trial and started asking him, like, how did this happen? Tell us what happened. And the guy... He was just a beggar. He's barely putting this together himself. He kind of starts out saying, I don't know, some guy named Jesus put mud in my eye and then I was healed. And a little bit later in his trial, he goes, I think he must be a prophet. And then a little later in his trial, he says, well, he must be from God. Only someone from God could restore sight to someone like me who was born blind. Well, that was it. Pharisees did this trial was going backwards from what they wanted. They did not want to hear that. So they label the guy sinner since the day you were born and they throw him out of the synagogue. So now he's out. He's out of the game. No one's going to be playing parking lot baseball with this guy anymore. You, know, you can see, good for you. Now you're going to wander around and be alone. Look at everybody not looking at you. And that's where our story picks up. Uh, in verse 35. When Jesus heard what happened, he found the man. And he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? Which, that's like an Old Testament uh, title, maybe from the book of Daniel is what he's referencing, of, of one they expected to come and rescue Israel. Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. And Jesus, uh, you have seen him, Jesus said. And he's speaking to you. Yes, Lord. I believe, the man said, and he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, Are you saying we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But you remain guilty because you claim to see. Now there's an old Bible study uh, technique, especially for the New Testament, that whenever you're reading a passage and you find a question mark, you should stop and ask yourself that question. It's a really easy Bible study technique for some passages. And this passage has three question marks. So I thought we'd just do the old style thing and ask ourselves the three questions this morning. Can't think of much better to do with a passage like this. So the first question we'll ask is actually the last one that gets asked in the passage. Are we blind? Are you saying that we're blind? That's the first question. This is the Pharisees question, which Jesus answers by saying, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you, you're, you remain guilty because you claim you can see. You act like you know. And you don't. So right now in the world, I bet it's all over the world, but I certainly know it's true in America. There are a lot of people who are afraid to associate with the church and afraid to associate with Jesus Christ because there's large sections of the church who are preaching a Jesus who is angry, a Jesus who is vengeful, and a Jesus who is hateful. 
And people aren't sure they want to be associated with all of that. Now, my personal opinion is these people are angry and they are hateful and they are vengeful and they're just kind of creating God in their image. All of us can do it on a bad day. But you try to tell these folks that and they shut you down, shout you down, label you, cast you out, cancel you. The truth is, there's no scripture to back up this view that Jesus is angry and vengeful and hateful. Not without twisting one way out of its context, not without reading just a part of some story about Jesus and covering up the verses before and after it and verses all over the pages around it. Now, you know what you're doing when you ignore some scriptures in order to heighten others, in order to get the story to be the way you want. You're blind by choice. You're blinding yourself by choice to make things go the way you want them to go and to make God who you want God to be. And that's what Jesus came to condemn. He said, if you're actually blind, if you actually didn't know, then that wouldn't be a problem. But you think you see God and you don't. And that's the judgment. It's that kind of attitude that Jesus brings judgment on. So each of us really need to ask ourselves this question this morning. Am I blind too? Do I have beliefs about God that I actually can't find a scripture for, can't find a consistent witness across scripture for? Do I have a tone about my faith that I actually find Jesus never acting out? Is my attitude and the way I interact with the world and people radically different than how Jesus ever did? Do I fear not knowing something about God so I pretend like I know a lot about God? because I'm afraid to admit there's just some things I don't know. When I find a story about Jesus and it doesn't line up with what I already think about him, do I act like I didn't just see that story? Or to pay attention to other things? Am I blinding myself? Do I not believe God could show me anything new about him that I don't already know? Or do I think I pretty much know everything worth knowing about God? These are good questions to ask. Am I blinding myself? Am I blind too? As Jesus says, if you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. We're spending time examining ourselves. The next question is the middle question. Who is he? Referring to this son of man. Who is he? That's the blind man's question. The blind man's question, because the blind man's had this amazing miracle happen to him. He was blind, and now he can see. But he can't quite connect. How did this happen? And this Jesus, who, who was clearly part of it, uh, who is he? He's having trouble making these connections. That's why he starts out saying, a man named Jesus put mud in my eye. And then later he says, I think he's a prophet. And then he says, he must have come from God. Only someone who came from God could restore my sight. In the end, he has to have Jesus make the final connection for him. When Jesus says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He goes, who is he? Jesus says, well, you have seen him. And you're speaking, and he's speaking to you. And they go, oh, the guy says, yes, Lord. And he worships him. 
And remember that a first century Jew would not worship anyone unless he believed it was the image of God who was standing before him. In the end, we're all going to need that help too, to make a connection uh, between what's happening to us and what God is doing. We're all going to need an encounter with Jesus to help us make that final connection. And I just want to say, uh, if you are up for a journey like that, if, if something is happening in your life and you're not quite sure what it is, it might be good, might be bad, might be questions, might be a curiosity that's drawing you and you've come here to say, I just think there's something more to explore going on in my life or in the universe. This, this church is for you. Lakeland Community Church is pretty well built for this kind of journey. We are okay if you come in and saying, I have some questions, there's some things going on, I'm feeling something, a spiritual curiosity even. I, I'm, this seems like a place I want to look at it, and we're fine if you want to start there. And, and you want to come in and just say, well, you know, I'll say this. It's a lot better than the Pharisee kind of thing I, I might have grown up with. That's all I know. The people are nice enough. And then you think about it a bit and you decide, well, it's good values for the kids. It's not a bad way to raise a family. You know, it's good values for me. If it changes my attitude about spending and earning and I can get out of debt and stay out of debt, nothing wrong with that. If it teaches me some things about marriage and parenting, nothing wrong with that. And something also does happen when I pray. I, I sense a presence. Thoughts come upon me that don't seem like they're my own. Circumstances around me. Something does happen when I pray. And you think about it some more and you think, this, and this Jesus, I hear these stories week in and week out. And I just think it would be hard for someone who is just a person to have such wisdom, such beautiful ways of interacting with difficult people and situations so consistently. I think he might be a prophet. I think he came from God. No one who didn't come from God could do things like that. In fact, I believe he's the very image of God. And I will worship him. You don't have to complete that whole storyline before this sermon ends today. But if you're open that the journey could take a path like that, this is your church. This is, this is a good people to do that among. A lot of people in here have the same story. Our last question was actually the first question. Do you believe in the Son of Man? This is the first question Jesus asks. He finds this guy who's been cast out, called it, labeled a sinner since the day he was born. He's walking alone on the street. Nobody's inviting him to the parking lot baseball game anymore. And Jesus says, look, do you believe in the Son of Man? This is the, this is the, this is the question and the answer that's going to matter. Notice all the questions Jesus didn't ask. He didn't say, Hey, you want to join that group of cranky religious Pharisees over there? Do you want to go back to your parents' church that might have been mean to you when you were young? You want to rejoin that? That's not what he's asking. Uh, Jesus didn't say, hey, there's a big mob of people on social media who uh, are very vocal and claim a lot of religion and say a lot of bizarre things. You, You want to sign up to join that? Jesus didn't offer that. Jesus said, do you want to trust the one 
who has come and found you? Do you want to trust the one who shows the true image of God? Now, a lot of folks uh, feel like that sounds really narrow. The, the one who shows us the true image of God. I mean, there's tens of thousands of religious expressions in the world. Isn't it narrow-minded to say that Jesus shows the true image of God? It seems narrow-minded to some folks. But is it? I think about that baseball game. When I came in, I could not understand how this thing's played. My dad could have stayed in his chair and said, I don't know, you kids figure it out. You know, you go out there, duke it out, make it up, start your own baseball game in the next parking lot over, make up your own game. I don't care. It doesn't matter. He he could have done that. But he put his book down and he got up and he went out where we were and he said, let's play ball. And he's like, that's a strike and that's safe and this is baseball. And it stayed that way. He didn't even have to stay with us forever to do that. Just that example is like, this is how baseball is played. I think that's a beautiful picture of a dad who will go out and say, this is how it's done. Let me show you. And I think it's a beautiful picture of God who could say, it, go figure it out. But instead, doesn't do that. He comes among us and says, this is what God is like. He's like me. He's like Jesus said. He's like me. This is what God is like. This is what following God is like. I think it's a more beautiful story. I think any God who's going to call himself love would have to do something like that. Show you who he is and how it's done. Be with you and among us. That's what we celebrate over this next month as we celebrate Christmas. Christmas and the Advent and all that stuff, that's all a celebration of the moment when God said, I'm going to come among you. I'm going to come right there among you and you will see who God is and what he's like. No more guessing. No more making stuff up. Here I am. If you've never celebrated an Advent season with us here at Lakeland Community, you're in for a real treat. I think we do it really, really well. It's a great place to 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 celebrate that aspect of the God who shows up to be God with us. If you'd like to go on this journey to see if Jesus is showing us the true picture of God and what's that, what that is like, we invite you to do that here with us at Lakeland. Um, if today you're like, you know, I've, I've seen enough. Or I've known this for 20 years. We have the Lord's table. It's a celebration where you say, uh, I celebrate for the first time or I celebrate for the 10,000th time. How grateful I am that God came among us in Jesus to say, this is what I'm like. This is how you do it. Because on the night he was betrayed, which is a little later in the story, Instead of bringing condemnation and judgment, he took bread. He said, this is my body, which is about to be broken, and it will be broken for you. In the same way, he took a cup, and he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. That's who God is. He's the one who forgives sins. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember my death till I eat and drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. Where I hope, We get to play a little baseball too.